We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. Can I get some free steak? <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh yeah, I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, and today we're kicking off October with a movie voted on by the Big Screen Sports Patreon group this past month. I, I put up a vote for what I call the, the Caroline Darney special, uh, my frequent co-host and collaborator Caroline Darney has a particular taste in movies. Uh, she, she put up four of her favorites to be voted on, and the patrons chose Armageddon. All-time classic, just peak 90s, I guess, kind of trash action. Uh, just w- one of my favorites. Uh, Caroline and Mike Golick Jr. returning to the show for this one. Got the band back together. Very happy to have them back on. It was a great episode. But as always, want to shout out that Patreon group for supporting the show, voting and choosing this movie. Uh, shout out to our Big Chill producer level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D. Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, Chris Mikoski, Andrew Teagle, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBoe, and Classic Stadium Fire. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting this show. If you want to support the show yourself, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. You get to vote on movies to cover. We're going to have a poll live soon for a November movie. Probably going to be two to three polls for patrons to vote on uh, this coming month. So check into that. You get schedule updates ad-free episodes on that exclusive patron feed. Uh, You get some merch, and you get to support the show. If you want to support the show for free, just tell a friend. Pretty simple. Just shoot a text, send an email, whatever works for you. A friend who likes sports movies, movies, all the above. So with that, let's talk to Caroline, Mike, and let's talk Armageddon. All right. Returning to the show, from Bet for the Win, it is Caroline Darney, and from the Gojo Podcast, Mike Golick Jr. Guys, welcome back to Big Screen Sports. Such a pleasure to have the band back together again. Even better to have us back together again as me and Caroline waltzed into this Zoom chat wearing matching thick six shirts, because of course we did. (laughs) 
I'm just, I'm so sad that I, I'm not wearing mine. Folks, you can get those at home field, I, I think, still. Um, so I think they were a limited run on those because they were for charity. And shout out to Connor and the fine folks at home field for indulging my weird little fantasy there and making that a reality. Uh, all that money went to Feeding America. So good job by everyone who bought one. And maybe at some point we'll get them to run them again, just based on overwhelming demand from the people. <laughs> The when they listen, when they listen to this podcast, they're gonna be like, "I gotta get me one of these Big Six shirts." I'm <laughs> free, imagining them free as ads <laughs> on big screen sports. Free ads, <laughs> all free ads. Uh, guys, before before we get into what I'm sure is gonna be a really brief, maybe tight, thirty to forty five minute episode, uh, Mike, tell the folk this is your first uh, appearance on the show since starting Gojo. Tell the folks about it. Yeah, no, I realized when I was getting ready for today, I was like, yeah, the last time I was on here, I was in between jobs and was just telling people to go to my IG lives and watch me get drunk and cook <laughs> where I lived in Connecticut. So uh, yes, you can now uh, go and download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. It's a uh, daily podcast Monday through Friday with myself and uh, my producer slash uh, on air co-host Brandon Newman. Um, you can get that wherever you get your podcast You can get it on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Michael Oak Jr. playlist. And you can also check me out on the weekends on my other job uh, calling college football games for Learfield audio as a part of college football Saturday night. Uh, we get to go around the country, a bunch of great games. Sloan Martin is uh, the play-by-play announcer in the booth. She's a rock star and it's fun. We donuts on air and we yell and scream about fun things that happen in college games. Eating donuts is always the move in, in any, <laughs> in any scenario, really. Uh, Caroline, yeah. what's going on at bet for the win? I just have one job comparatively. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I just do one thing. Uh, yeah, we're, we're cruising. It's fantasy football season. We, uh, my team is two and one. I know that's why everyone tuned in is here about my fantasy team. Uh, Mitch, please, um, which is both a pun and an actual plead to the Steelers quarterback. Um, but yeah, so things are going great. We're having a lot of fun. We just added some folks, so the college football content is cranking out as well. And uh, we are mentally and organizationally, per calendars, preparing for a November that's going to have the World Cup, men's women's college basketball, the NBA, NFL, college football. It's going to be fun. So come check us out at for the win and back for the win. All the good stuff. All the good stuff yeah. going on. Um, so tonight I put up a or last month I put up a poll on the Patreon. Uh just named it really the 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 Caroline Darney special. We get we we had the folks vote on four of Caroline's favorites. And and this one got the pick. Another another true example of the all movies or sports movies mantra that we're rolling with. Tonight, we are talking about Armageddon the 1998 sci-fi action drama. After discovering that an asteroid the size of Texas will impact Earth in less than a month, NASA recruits a misfit team of deep core drillers to save the planet. The 90s were fucking incredible. Starred Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, Steve Buscemi, and everyone else. Uh, it was directed by Michael Bay, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, the official producer of Big Cocaine Energy. Got a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes, but grossed five hundred million dollars worldwide. This was a, this was a smash hit. This was, I believe, the culmination of the '90s trash action, big explosions, disaster kind of kind of genre here. Caroline, we were talking a little bit before we recorded about the the Mount Rushmore of '90s action. We tried this with Nicolas Cage too. It's hard when there's such a broad text, but in terms of like disaster movies and this 
I guess like the disaster genre in the nineties kind of, kind of slid into trash. It just, it just, it's, it's not perfect. It's not buttoned up too big. We got a lot of explosions, Sir, how dare a lot you? of stuff that doesn't make sense. How dare you? <laughs> where, where is no, this no. for you? Is this on, is this on the Mount Rushmore of disaster movies? I think so. I think uh, this is up there. I also, it's, I'm curious when people classify as disaster versus non-disaster, like this would be a natural disaster. Um, Dante's Peak is up there for your girl. Um, and then I'd have to think. I think those are the two locks for me. I'd have to think. I'd be open to discussion. And there's probably one very obvious one that I'm forgetting. Because I do like Volcano. I think, you know, Tommy Lee Jones is an underrated action star. Um, and that has one of the most iconic scenes as the guy who's been in like everything, but I can't really tell you what else he's been in, saves the guy on the subway in the lava underneath and like throws the grown man to safety. Um, but this is one that is the first that's probably mentioned question mark. And there's a few truly, truly iconic scenes, moments and songs that we know, <laughs> but I think it's, it sets the bar and is one that, cause when I say like, I don't know what else counts as disaster. Like is Anaconda a disaster movie? That's, that's tough. Is I, Deep Blue Sea a disaster movie? Like things go terribly so, so, wrong. I saw this one. Is Titanic a disaster movie? <laughs> I would say Titanic is definitely a disaster yeah. movie. Oh, okay. Then yeah, Titanic gets a spot. <laughs> Deep Blue Sea and Anaconda. That would be like animal disasters, which sounds like a shutdown full cast episode. It reminds me of the one they did with the the two dads shooting guns at a snake. Yes. Um, like <laughs> something speed, like, like that. Speed is not really a disaster, but it's the same vibes I get from it, you know? Um, yeah. In, in the 90s, it was weird. We had like disasters, heists, and terrorist plots all kind of blend together in one in one nice mix and a few like some movies have a mix of two uh like it's like a venn Break diagram a, yeah oh, we point... should make a venn diagram of this that's you're giving away the content for free mike with with you on this one we last time we had you on we taught con air um yeah. another one of these these 90s iconic bruckheimer uh action bruckheimer produced action movies disaster movies things going on like that where when you when you think back on like 90s action how far how many movies do you have to go to in your list before you get to armageddon like where is it for you uh number one it's always been my um especially in in this realm i've always said a lot of the times when i meet a new person and i'm in the feeling out phase for them one of the very early questions i want to know and i promise i've been saying this since college is do you cry during armageddon and if you don't we're probably not going to be very close because guys i finished watching this movie minutes before we started this podcast and i am stained with fresh tears <laughs> multiple bouts of deep man tears for the i don't know 20th 25th time yeah. i've probably seen this movie lifetime so this is the mark of fundamental decency amongst human beings in my rolodex of films it's interesting with this one in that a lot of these that's a note that not a lot of these trash action movies have like mm -hmm. they don't they don't yeah. get to there we've talked about speed we've talked about about con air we we don't feel that when he reunites with his daughter because we we know at this point she wants to get the hell out of there that this this gets to a this gets to an emotional note that lo, not a lot of these movies do um 
Caroline, with that, is this a, I, I don't know if I need to ask, Hall of Fame, All-Star starter, <laughs> or bench warmer sports movie? <laughs> Hall of Fame. If we're talking about here and we're doing, how many have I put in the Hall of Fame now? Is that something we keep track of? Like, should I go back and like check out? I've always said like I should keep track of what's actually Hall of Fame, what's not, but it's this is the first ballot. This is the first ballot for me. Like it's and I Mike has we've had that conversation. I don't know how long Mike and I have been like friends on the internet slash in real life now, but we have had that conversation early on in our friendship. And I remember this vividly because we had this whole time. I was like, Yeah, absolutely. I cried. I'm not a robot. Like, what are we, you know? Um and it's just, there are things that I am so willing to overlook when it comes to cheesiness or lines or just, you have to suspend some disbelief in some moments, I'm going to say. <laughs> and I'm willing to, there were so many times in my notes where I was like, that's ridiculous, but I don't even care because it's perfect. So I'm leaving it. And it's, we've had the conversation before too about the movie song. And this is the, this along with Titanic mm. and Bodyguard might be the most like iconic of that. I think the trio where it's just kind of like, if you think you cannot hear, don't want to miss a thing and not immediately think of this movie. Like, it's just one of those. Like um, there's also like several other Aerosmith songs in it, which is hilarious to me. Like this movie three or four gave new life to a band. Yeah. Like that's how yeah. that's how culturally important this movie is. I would say this movie, the things like it certainly has its warts, which we'll get into. The things it does well, it does them so well that it makes them a Hall of Famer. Like the things it does well are like their elite level skills. It's not like this guy, uh, you know, he's a decent deep ball thrower, you know, reads the defense. Like, no, he is, if, if this movie was a quarterback, has a cannon for an arm, throws the best deep ball in football. Maybe as, as fast as hell, maybe he like can run like Lamar. Is he going to throw a stupid pick every now and then? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Mike, the, this one for you i mean obvious hall of famer but it was it was it instantaneous for you was this instant love yes uh this is the zach martin of 90s disaster movies it was you knew instantly you were in the presence of not just a hall of famer but one of those they always talk about the different rooms in the hall of fame different room of 90s action genre just because ed's carol it has so many connection points massive ensemble cast a song that makes you instantly think of it one of the I think better world ending scenarios presented. And as someone who really enjoys meddling in post-apocalyptic, this one is near apocalyptic, which is its own other interesting subgenre. but all of it lends itself to a movie that, as you pointed out with the Rotten Tomatoes score, will not ever get the respect I believe it deserves at the top end for most people. Zach Martin was voted 68th on the NFL's top 100 this year, and this has just turned into my continued venting about what utter bullshit that was, but much like that, they will have their day in the sun when the Hall of Fame voting commences, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer the minute he retires. When we talked about Palm Springs, we did the thing, hey, what would you do if you were stuck in this time loop? Mike, if if you were about to go to space, what would be your gov- what would be your demands written on a very crumpled <laughs> sheet of, of notebook paper? So what's the verdict? They'll do it. They've made a few requests though. Such as yes. So a few things here. Uh, 
nothing really big. Uh, just, well, I'm an example of uh, Oscar here has got some outstanding parking tickets and wants them wiped off his record. 56 tickets in seven states. I'll, I'll tell him, Oscar. I got it. Okay. Uh, oh, man. Whew. The don't, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. The don't pay taxes thing is another thing that's just so lodged deep in my skull to point yeah. out there. Um, that's a given. I think, I think if, if you're making demands, it's like, I'm, I would like to never work again and I would like to be compensated regardless. And I would not like to not pay the government any more money. I think that's kind of like that that's happening for sure. Maybe like government subsidized pug farm. <laughs> I met a, I met a dog walking on the beach earlier today uh, that the woman was fostering and had just uh, been rescued from a kill shelter. And so the thought of being able to take every pug out of a situation like that and put them on a farm where I just get to roll around with the grass in them all day seems like a pretty good um, world heroic retirement plan. I, I like that. I did rank. I ranked the ones that they had. Can I give you my ranking? Oh, <laughs> hell yes. Oh, yeah. So there were eight that they listed. I'll start, or sorry, seven that they listed. Um, so I'll go last to first. Uh, bringing back the eight track. That doesn't really take for me. Uh, paying the parking tickets. I was like, that's a good one. But I thought I liked the full week at Caesars Palace. I thought that was a, a, a creative ask, but not as good at the staying at the Lincoln, Lincoln bedroom for the summer. White House. Yeah. <laughs> for the summer. Like, I like that he was like, but also I would recommend not the summer because it's too humid and hot, but that's fine. That's not, you know, it's your, I, I thought the citizenship ask was, was nice. Like, I thought that was a, a thoughtful, I'm sure it was probably for nefarious reasons, but I was like, you know what? That's a nice ask for help someone else out. Uh, who killed JFK in second? Because I don't think you're going to get that answer, but I like the thought process um, and not pay taxes. I think it's by far the most brilliant. Like, yeah. you know what? In the interest of that list, because I think you nailed it perfectly, who killed JFK being up top? Just jarred loose the one that I want full tour of wherever the new area 51 is i want to see everything yeah. i'm shaking hands with the aliens yeah <laughs> caroline I'm, I'm not sure if you have yet uh said what you said you were going to do done what you said you were going to no. do after we did national treasure and watch national treasure 2 book of secrets <laughs> i would i would like the yet. book of secrets i would like i would like extended time with the book of secrets i would like to know the things <laughs> Oh man, that's incredible. I would, yeah, I would probably, um, maybe this is because my thought process right now is I don't want to keep paying for plane tickets anywhere. So like, can you guys just fly me places I need to go? Cause I want to go places. Oh, um, yes. I'm just in such travel mode right now. Like I cannot help it. And them blowing up all of Paris, sorry, it didn't blow up Paris, but Paris caught a stray. I don't think that was necessary. That, that's <laughs> it's, it's so random. <laughs> It's like, like <laughs> how many people do you think? I mean, that was like devastating. Oh yeah, I, I, I love the thought of Michael Bay and Jerry Brockheimer sitting around and going, "All right, we're, yeah, fuck Paris." <laughs> Boom. <laughs> we haven't had an explosion in a while. Okay, <laughs> listen, I, I know they're going to get out of it, but we we need some more collateral damage. Well, and yeah, the casually at the end too, they're like, "Yeah, most of the debris burned off up there." Like, what about the rest of it? You didn't say all. <laughs> yeah, and you've shown that just basketball-sized ones can be a real problem. Oh man! 
That'd be like that'd be like surviving the first round, the last round of cuts in the NFL and making the initial 53 man <laughs> roster and then getting cut because of some other roster move the day after. That would be seeing the blast in the sky and then driving like, home yeah. from your religious celebration and getting absolutely curb stomped by a basketball. <laughs> That's it. We claim somebody else on waivers. So we're going to have to let you. So we're going to have to let you go. Oh my god. Before before we get into the trivia, which I I think I texted you guys, rich text. Rich text. Uh I want to talk about Affleck. This oh, is an interesting sorry. this is like early Affleck. This Affleck's a Mansky here is back to back to back. Is Goodwill Hunting for which he wins an Oscar. Shakespeare mm-hmm. in Love and Armageddon. Three very different movies. Three very different performances, although you could have you could easily talk me into making his character in this movie just Chucky from Goodwill Hunting, like making him a, a mass old oil rig worker. Where where are we on Affleck is the action guy? Cause this his career is so weird. Cause he does this. A couple years later he does Pearl Harbor, that Benefer happens, then it's like it's like we're we're looking bad, we're looking bad, we're looking bad. Then it's like, oh, I'm gonna direct the town, and then I'm gonna direct Argo, and that. Where where are we at on Affleck in in this in this genre? Where where is this Affleck for you, Caroline? In terms of all our Afflecks over the past like thirty years, you got. I mean, I well, I was in love with this Affleck. This Affleck was formative in Caroline's life, and Shakespeare in Love Affleck was formative. <laughs> He's he incredible in Shakespeare. In peak, love. He is peak hot in this movie. Like mm-hmm. this is the movie I went to see with my friends and we would like, this is the pulling the ma- the pictures out of the EW special when it's like in the magazine and you put it like in your, in the binder or in your like locker. Like this is like the app like that is getting on treatment. He looks gorgeous. Like I think when it comes to like the action part of it, I think I, I buy it. I think there wasn't enough as much of an action movie as this is, I think there isn't, there's so much that happens. This movie goes, there's no slow entry to this movie. And yes, they do take a while to actually get into space, but it's like, hey, the dinosaurs, Earth exploded. I always forget that that's the intro and it kills me every single time that they go back 65 million years or whatever. Just in case um, you forgot. <laughs> the, case, yeah, like, the 65 million years later run on the bottom of the screen flawless victory just kidding. yeah more <laughs> movies should implement that because it would apply for a lot of things um but it just goes right in at the same time there's so much happening that you really don't get like you get the scene at the russian space station where he's kind of solo actiony you get him and bear and the cosmonaut like doing the evil Knievel. like that's all good so i think he does well i think he he sells it for me like i don't have any issues but he's, this is one of the things I think that works so well is you get excellent work out of Bruce Willis. So I think it's just consistently fantastic and stuff like this. Like you just buy it from second one um, and you just get peak babe Ben Affleck. And it, it, they look great together. Um, I was not him and Bruce Willis, <laughs> but they did. Yes. They look great together too. Yeah. <laughs> But um, why am I blanking her name? I can just see her face. Liv Tyler. Um, Liv Tyler. Um, they look great together. Like that was like such a '98 like power couple, like in the movie type thing. So I am buying it. I think he's yeah, he's 
10 out of 10 no notes in this movie. I thought he was great. It holds yeah. up for me, honestly. Still, I mean, he's still yeah. a great looking Affleck. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. He's got the chin for it in this one. And just in general, yes. like not covered with facial hair, baby-faced Affleck. It's it's good chin vibes. We needed, because your point about Bruce Willis, absolutely. We needed a hottie out in front of this one. And Ben Affleck yes. decided to be the hottie in the action movie. Eye candy matches Bruce's energy all the way through. I thought it was a lot of that same sort of goofy asshole goodwill hunting energy, which works yeah, perfect yeah. in this. So yeah, and like even buying him as a, you know, the rambunctious young guy on an oil rig. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. I, I could do this. Guess what? He looks great covered in oil. Mm. <laughs> like greasy, oily, doesn't matter. He looks great. I need to figure out any what oil. He, really. he had yeah, any oil. <laughs> Look, I, we all love Top Gun. <laughs> We've all talked about both. Ring the Top bell. Guns, Ring the bell. <laughs> Top Gun mentioned <laughs> all of the oils. Um, but I need to figure out, like, he clearly got something, like, he got veneers, right? Or am okay. I just bad at Let, let's, like, no, that... <laughs> let's get into the IMDb trivia. Because they are lovely. The, the IMDb trivia on this one is, okay, so sometimes I will preface this category and be like, yeah, not a lot. Sometimes I'll say, rich text, you should, you should go check this out. This is the richest text. This is the book of secrets. <laughs> 171 <laughs> items. Most of them great. Mike, I don't know. Have you listened to the the DVD, like director's commentary, actor's commentary of Armageddon? Because if you have not, you need to. It is a treat. Ben Affleck is a star in that yeah. bit of commentary. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That is, Um, I, I believe Ben is now a sober king, um, or at least like doing, doing better. I think at that point, and this was early, but I, I think my man had a couple pops and was like, I'm going to, I'm going to rip all over this movie. And it is, it is great. So I think a lot of this is, is pulled from that. Um, the, the, the thing we'll start with what Caroline mentioned, uh, Ben Affleck's teeth were replaced. Michael Bay noticed early in production, Affleck's teeth seemed like baby teeth in the footage they had shot. He notes that Bruckheimer had previously replaced the teeth of, quote, a very famous star in a plane movie. Affleck spent eight hours a day in a dentist chair for a week to get the teeth you see in the film now. These teeth also cost roughly $20,000. Very oh apparent. God. Yeah, they're, they're great veneers, though. The shining, yeah. shining pearls in this movie. He got 20 grand worth of teeth from this movie in addition to whatever the paycheck was. Go off, King. This movie threw around some money. So budget was $150 million. I didn't I didn't pull this in, but this is from the trivia. Apparently, Bruce Willis had a second trailer complete with full, fully stocked gym that cost $175,000, was allegedly never used. So you can tell. <laughs> Just we're throwing around money for anything. Um this is this one is my favorite. Regarding the film's premise, Ben Affleck asked director Michael Bay, wouldn't it be easier for NASA to train astronauts how to drill rather than training drillers to be astronauts? Bay told Affleck to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. They He's explained right. it in the movie though. Like they they do explain like why they can't do that. Is it the most plausible explanation? No. No. Do we need it to be? No. no. Um, this one is amazing. Steve Buscemi claimed that the role of Rockhound was pitched to him as a heroic geologist, which he eagerly accepted, wanting a change from the lowlifes as whom he had been typecast. <laughs> he noted after he had been cast in the role, Rockhound's sleazy characteristics were written into the script. That is called no! pulling the rug out from under someone. Oh. 
I actually wrote that down. Quote, we call him Hound because, well, he's horny. I mean, Buscemi in this Art. one, we'll, we'll get into it, is is <laughs> incredible. Um, also, when asked why he did, did this film, Steve Buscemi replied, quote, I wanted a bigger house. Man. So like, it's King. it's like King. it's like Harold Varner taking the live golf money, like just saying saying the quiet part out loud there. Um, this one, Caroline, I know this is going to hurt you deeply, Mike. This might hurt oh, you too. No. Michael Bay thinks Armageddon is his worst film. "Quote: I will apologize for Armageddon because we had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks," he told the Miami Herald in 2013. It was a massive undertaking that was not fair to the movie. I would redo the entire third act if I could, which is interesting because I would redo the entire first act if I could, or at least most of it. <laughs> but I think about Michael Bay movies. I went back and looked through it. Um, movies worse than the like the Island. Every Transformers movie after the first Transformers movie is bad. Mm -hmm. uh, Thirteen Hours is not as good as this. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, e even even the great ones can can be wrong. Um. Little uh, two casting ones, Arnold Schwarzenegger considered for the role of Harry Stamper. No, that's Caroline. Where it we does at not with work. It, I love Arnold. Does not work for me here. It, it's I cannot imagine anyone else. It's it's like Nick Cage in Conair. I just can't. It's 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 him. Bruce Willis is Harry Stamper. Like I, it's perfect. It's the gruffness. It's the loving dad while also being a maybe watching them make out a little too long at various points. Um, kind of weird. Um, but no, I can't. I just, I don't know. doesn't work Ima for me. Uh, Imagining some of those very intimate moments and the quiet moment with Liv Tyler before they end up taking off out there in the ruins when they go and have that conversation, the end theme there, trying to picture that hitting the same with a very thick Austrian accent <laughs> that I'm used to shouting, get in the chopper is really a tough leap for me to make. And it's not to yes. say Arnold wouldn't have been great, but I feel like this movie hit its quota of Jack jacked guys with Michael Clark Duncan. I feel like he was enough mass yes. and the right personality for this. Arnold has a lot of range. I think Arnold would have done a really good job, but I think this is like when we say that, you know, you could put Patrick Mahomes on any team and he'd be great. But when you put him with this, you know, group and this coach, he becomes what he is right now. I think this movie is kind of the same way. It would have been really good with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It unlocks the gates to Valhalla because you've got Bruce Willis there. <laughs> uh, this, this last one is, is my favorite. It kind of goes into what we were talking about with the, um, the financial waste of some of this movie. <laughs> the Gatling gun affixed to each armadillo was an actual gun from World War II. Full-time police officer had to accompany and guard it wherever it went and fires roughly a thousand rounds in 15 seconds. Mattel had a toy line attached to Armageddon. They told Bay that toy trucks with guns attached to them sell more. This is Bay's reasoning for why there's a giant Gatling gun affixed to each of the armadillos. There was a scene in the film to explain the gun, but this has been cut. So we have the completely meaningless Gatling gun that is literally only used for when Buscemi goes crazy in this movie. It, it, other than that, it literally is not is there for no reason, except to sell toys. I had so many questions about why they would need that. Like for the toys. That's in the, for the toys. That's also wild, but that's that's also very nineties, which is oh. a lot of like the fine, like a lot of the smaller notes of this movie, quintessentially nineties. Oh, for sure. For sure. Let's take a quick ad break and then we'll get back with what worked. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so what worked about this? Why, Caroline, why was this a pick? Why was this in your four movies? Oh, gosh. Um, I think the biggest thing that works for me is the cast. And it's just right to the point. The movie, get, like I said, it gets right into it. And it's like, here's this thing. It's going to be bad. Also lots of control rooms and you know how your girl feels about control room scenes the entire movie Absolutely is essentially them. control room one big control room scene love it um and i've always i've always liked disaster disaster adjacent and as mike said i also really like post-apocalyptic so i like people having to solve problems and band together for the good of humanity love it whether it's just your little ship on the river fighting an anaconda banding together to solve problems or if it's like literally you got to save everybody um and it's just like just cheesy enough but not so bad that like 2012 i think runs into just complete absurdity which i think it's super easy to do in a disaster movie um that this one rides that line like there's a few things where i'm like could but they've cast it so well that i forgive a lot of things (laughs) and so it works it just works perfectly for me it's one of those like when it's on i'm like gotta watch it i guess i'm gonna cry here in a little bit two hours and ten minutes but i just it's perfect i just everything about it just meshes for me and i think most of that comes down to the cast yeah it's it's deep bench deep bench it is it's just and it's (laughs) Not necessarily, oh man, every time Jason Isaacs rolls in, I'm like, Jason Isaacs is in this movie. Like even the, you know, it's just start to finish, like just stacked with people that are either, maybe weren't like that huge in 1998, but now have like developed this huge, other than Gruber, rest in peace, my, my sweet, sweet boy. Um, the whole, like everybody you've seen in something before or, the who am I thinking of the the general that tried to blow everything up? He's been in a million. Oh, things. Keith David, man, he's yes, he's, he was in the thing Excellent. like twenty years before yes. this movie came out. 
I also like to think that Keith David went from being the general in this movie and was able to graduate up and become the president in Rick and Morty embodying the same <laughs> character because it's essentially <laughs> the same ethos of a person who becomes the president in that show. And I like to think Keith David's character from Armageddon just slowly bided his time in office and decided, you know what, I'm going to leave this branch and I'm going to run for political office. I also like to think that I believe this same year, if I have it correctly, uh, Keith David is is General Kimsey and he's he's presiding over the potential end of the world, very tense discussions around a nuke. Then the same year he's in there, something about Mary talking to Ben Stiller after he has zipped his junk up in, in, in the zipper. Range for Keith David in 1998. The man has range. The man has range. <laughs> Mike, why does this one hit so hard for you? Um, I think it's three-pronged. I think, uh, first and foremost, we talked about the deep bench, um, deep connectivity, father-daughter relationship. They do a good job of, despite everything happening, making you care about them as the through line from start yeah. to finish. They are the beginning and they are the end of this entire movie. And every other relationship is special and connected because of those two. And you have that scene in the hangar where, you know, Bear and all those guys talk about how we feel like we're a bunch of daddies here, like, this is the anchor. This is the tether for everyone in this movie. I think um, visual effects for a movie made in 1998 <laughs> were stellar. And for a movie yeah. that was only going to work if you could make blowing up the planet and a gigantic, big, scary asteroid look big and scary in all the ways that we in our brains would imagine, even if it's not realistic, a big, scary asteroid to look. And then the last reason it works is because there is nothing on this Earth quite as much fun as good old fashioned warring government branches constantly at odds with each other over <laughs> what policy in a certain situation should be and trying to constantly override each other. Whenever there's the line of get the president on the phone, get, I need, I need to speak to the president that that movie goes up a notch in my book. Fickner, Fickner opening the like safe on the space shuttle that has like one handgun in it. <laughs> Why like, do you have secret. a gun in space is perfect screenwriting. <laughs> <laughs> it's out to, yeah that's actually that's an excellent excellent point mike talking about the effects the the explosions no one does this better than bay like putting you in the action like the gratuitous explosions i mean it's it's peak here no one no one does it better than him and it does it is kind of nostalgic there's when they have to go to to like CGI, it 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 does look '90s. It looks rough, but there's so little of it in this movie compared to like we're we're filming this, sh we're making this shit explode for real, and that is so. I mean, he did does the same thing in Ambulance this year. Like he's been doing it for almost 30 years now. Like Michael Bay makes this shit. When Michael Bay wants to make something explode, by God, you're gonna feel it. It's gonna look great, and that that's I I love the man for it. Like he's he's the only one who could have helmed this movie in my opinion. 100%. It's especially, like I think about it in the context of now as we're currently dealing with all of these CGI problems in the Marvel universe and in other areas where it really affects your viewing of a certain product at times when it becomes so noticeably bad in the way some of these places have declined. And I've seen the ringer do pieces on why that's been the case and some of the issues that have gone on. But to go from that in our current time and then look back at this and watch Michael Bay actually blow shit up and then the areas where you've got to put some effects in. I'm like, you know what? For this being 1998, holds up remarkably well. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, his style, too, with this one, this is from the trivia. The average cut time 
in this movie. The average time for camera cuts, 1.5 seconds. <laughs> it's incredible. Oh, shit. I mean, yeah, it's literally everywhere. <laughs> literally cocaine energy. Just, no, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. It's There's it's so great. many crazy, crazy choices being made, too. So, like, you know, the, um, she, her and the, so Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck make out in, like, a what looks like an engine. It seems like a bad idea, based on this personal experience. It's not where you'd want to be sitting and hanging out. Also, like, I don't know how they, like, they probably don't have free reign of all of the spaces in NASA. So, like, how are they just, like, hanging? And then the same thing, like, where they had their final, like, father-daughter goodbye was a very weird spot. Like, is it, like, an abandoned, like, launch site? Like, where were they? And then once you get past that, they had, like, the up angles, like, shot up, and then it would switch to, like, different all the different viewpoints and yeah, my, my favorite totally unnecessary thing in this movie was the flyover immediately after they landed <laughs> the shuttle <laughs> like this movie was built for tiktok attention spans because every time there's some sort of waning activity they just throw another thing like that in there to be like oh no you're gonna like this too trust me hold on hold on hold on so, well, so what's the too. like oh, how is it set up like that like they land were they staying were we're like Caroline, you know better than anyone like how long it takes to get people ready to fly. What were they like? Why the world was going to end in like an like thirty minutes? Like what were they even yeah, doing being near the planes? You could do potentially if they were so. Look, I just don't think you would fly in like that. Looked like a Blue Angel formation, like it was like an air show, not like hey, let's send up a couple like pairs to do potential cover in case of debris i don't know what you'd even be up there for maybe just like out of you know abundance of caution in case when the thing blows up a bunch of aliens come down not sure um mm. that was mm. i mean who knows at that point yeah, yeah, you know at yeah. this point you can't rule these... anything out <laughs> my question too is like why would they when they took off with both the freedom and the independence they were very close together when they were flying in space and dropping things off the back when they were shuttling parts of the show i was like yeah you gotta check your rearview mirror bud you almost <laughs> That gave me so much anxiety. I was like, no. (laughs) No, no, no. Look behind you. you Why are we just flipping shit off? Yeah. I mean, watch it. I'm flying here, bud. (laughs) Um, One thing that really worked about this that that not all action movies do is there's true tension during during the drilling, especially once we're up in space. It it does a good job of letting you know that anyone can go. Because we don't think for a second that this asteroid is going to crash into Earth and end all life. We don't think the movie is going to end like that. But we, that would have been a real switch. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that would have been quite, quite the move. Um, but it gives us an indication early on that anyone is expendable. Especially like once, there's yeah. the, once there's the crash, um, you, once they are drilling, you are like, there's there's real tension. Like you were on the edge of your seat. I don't know who is making it home. Cause you could certainly see a scenario where they all like they they finish the job, but it's like everyone who goes up is gone. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that's Michael Bay's move, but it's you know, there there's that. So having real stakes is important because like the biggest stakes are not gonna hit, but you grow so attached to a lot of these characters and like 
most of these deaths affect you. Like yeah. mo most of them, you have something of a relationship with this person, which isn't always the case in, in these action movies. There's just a lot of collateral damage. And like there's in this movie too, like the entire cities of Shanghai and Paris, or we're just kind of like, Oh, that's, that's tough, tough beat for Shanghai and Paris. But like, <laughs> I think some... what does he say? What are we going to, he says, warn who the whole South Pacific. <laughs> and then you see him throw <laughs> like... up his hands in the control room. Like, Oh no, what a mistake I've made. The asteroid was serious. <laughs> Easy, Billy Bob. <laughs> Billy Bob yeah I don't oh. know maybe I don't know yeah. Billy Bob in this movie we haven't talked about Billy Bob and, and we will but Billy Bob is just I mean a force uh, he yeah. he's built for roles like this like character roles yeah. like that uh, god he's great um the strikeout for the for the worst or most head-scratching aspect of this movie I actually I actually want to volunteer mine this movie is 151 minutes long they don't go to space for an hour <laughs> I, I, you gotta get him in space sooner. I need him in space in like at least 45 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. I'm just going to say it. My favorite parts of this movie are when they're on earth. <laughs> All most of my favorite parts of this movie have little to do with space. And it was watching this part, watching it back again today before this recording where I was like, Oh yeah. All of the parts of this that made me like, laugh outside of the very end and some of the things that go on there obviously it gets very actiony but like yeah i i don't know i'm a big first act guy in this movie and i didn't realize that about myself until today i love a training montage i i truly do love a training montage um i think i think i lean i'm like in between you guys because i think it's a little too long but i would cut you could cut probably two disaster scenarios like two freak out situations like whether it's like i think you got to keep the evil knievel and the separate crashes because that keeps the drama of like did they make it are they gonna make it i get that um maybe i don't need the whole space station to blow up like i think it's cool to add the cosmonaut um it does add one of my favorite movie tropes especially space where they like very not subtly alert you to some sort of looming disaster within some space thing that you don't know how it works or why it works but you know it's not going to work soon where it's like dripping water or like a spark it's the same with like apollo 13 and like these things where you don't know and something's rattling and like you're like that doesn't seem good don't know what it does but can't be good because you're in space and that's terrible um i think i could have done without like i could have done without the gun on spin on the asteroid or like the last like the the rock storm like you know there's a few one too many of like okay now you gotta press the button now we gotta stop the bomb now we gotta whatever um but i do like a lot of the on the ground stuff my biggest beef is probably look we know they're not going to pass all the astronaut tests like why are we continuing to run them through like treadmill tests like just do the drilling stuff like we get it. They're not in shape and they might die on the way up. Like you're not going to fix that. And then if you have 18 days to save the world, like don't spend three of them putting them through like the presidential fitness test. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. There's, there's gotta be, and I will say that first hour, that first act is when they're building up these characters. So you do love them when they, they meet a, a grisly device in yeah. space. That's important. But I'm just, <laughs> the last thing I'll say Movies with less runtime than Armageddon include Casablanca, Chinatown, No Country for Old Men, Speed, Con Air, and The Social Network. So just 
Just something to keep in mind. If we didn't need more of those movies, I don't know if we needed all 151 minutes. I would argue that we needed more Con Air. So uh, I mean, listen, we we right there's a lot of, there's a lot of Con Air that we could. I mean, what? How long are we skidding along the strip? Like 10 minutes? Uh, you know, Con Air was Con Air wasn't exactly budgeting time either. <laughs> That's true. Is there is there a strikeout in this movie for you, Caroline? Is there something that truly doesn't work? Um, I'm not going to fault either think, of you if you don't have one. Um, I had one that was like close to it, and now, um, I think for me, the consistency of the asteroid is lacking. I think <laughs> at some points it looks like it's made of fiberglass and falls apart quickly, and then at other points it's like knocking entire giant metal armadillos off the surface of it or like causing like i just need if they're like evil knievel launching it and flying through all of those like stalactites <laughs> whichever ones <laughs> are the right ones um they're just breaking them like it's like spun sugar um and then later like those those are the rocks that are coming down and like destroying them and like killed poor Gruber. I think he's Gruber. Um, that part, I'm like, look, guys, in this fictional situation in which an uh, asteroid the size of Texas is crashing down on the Earth to create a huge tidal wave, can we just be a little bit more consistent, please? A- asteroid integrity is important, I think. Yeah. I always, I always yeah. say that. I'm always big on that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do you have, is there a strikeout? I mean, this this one is your baby. So I, you know, is there something that really doesn't work here? Well, you know, like Ben Affleck said, the chief one there, you're still never going to get me to believe just overall, if you were truly sincere about the premise that it would be easier to train these guys to be astronauts than the other way around. Um, But besides that, I, I really think the only thing and Caroline said it is blowing up the space station. That was where I found my attention waned a little bit. And a lot of that's because I've seen the movie plenty already and stuff like that. But relative to so much of the rest of the action it was it just felt like a you know it felt like a sixth toe or like a third nipple it was cool but ultimately unnecessary uh so that would probably be it for me the rest of this again most of this movie works because it's just accepted absurdity and so i'm not going to charge too much of that to the to the game after this we need to get can we get like a real astronaut on the on the line and ask them how frequently they actually take their helmets off because that's another i think that's just a movie thing like so that you can see their faces it's the same with like masks and like whatever else but good lord put your helmet on if you're in the little driller thing on an asteroid you don't know what's going to go wrong well and i love the easy out they gave themselves when they were latching onto the space station like Hey, oh, by the way, we're going to spin this to create the effect of gravity so you guys can walk around in there. Like, that also seems unnecessarily hard. You've just spent all this time training for zero gravity, and now all of a sudden you're going to remove it here, add this incredible degree of difficulty. Stay in the ships. What are you doing on the space station? You're not helpful. Just stay in the ship. We have no problem. There, there's a lot of uh, processes here that I have questions about. So in, in the trivia, um, the first trivia item, NASA shows this film to their management training program or during their management training program. New managers are given the task to spot as many errors as possible. At least 168 have been found. So we got a couple processes wrong here. Got a, got a couple, <laughs> you know, a couple of things. I don't believe but you. <laughs> it starts even before that. Like 
Listen, if we're getting into like what didn't work or just just some stuff that we have questions about, I, I just want to air out some questions. Firing a shotgun in an oil rig. Bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. I reached out. So I, I don't have an astronaut contra- uh, contact, but I did. I did go to uh, I did go to college in an oil town and still have a bunch of teammates who work in oil. So I, I shot off the, in the group text and I said, hey, guys, I'm watching Armageddon. A couple questions. Um, firing a shotgun in an <laughs> offshore rig, just in general, bad idea. And they were like, oh yeah, terrible idea. Terrible idea. So confirmed, got some experts on it. It's a bad idea to fire a shotgun at, in an oil rig. Also, it's, it does seem like that first shot, he was actually trying to do significant harm to him. Yes. Oh yeah. And seemed like he could oh, have yeah. done significant harm to a lot of other people in the process. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of good choices being made there. <laughs> I have a question about the timeline of everything in general. So 18, 18 days, right? 18 days. He picks them up and he says that they've been traveling or 16 days and they've been traveling for 18 hours. But how did all of the guys from the oil rig in the South China Sea in 18 hours, plus whatever they talked, maybe give them six hours of talking, whatever, mm-hmm. 10 hours. We're talking maybe a day, a day and a half maximum. They're all like scattered, like Bears back in South Dakota. How did he get to South Dakota so fast? Affleck How many days gets a new job. He, yeah, he, he finds employment. He, no, he starts his own company. He starts his own company. <laughs> he gets an LLC done in the time that it takes Harry to get to, get to NASA. Yeah, you are on your way, AJ. Well, you know, being in business for yourself has its advantages. Make my own hours. Nobody shoots me in the leg. You don't got a gun on you now, do you? Oh, good. So I kind of wanted to get back to this whole thing about you asking me for help. Does that mean that there's actually a job that Mr. All-Go-No-Quit-Big-Nuts Harry Stamper can't handle by himself? It needs my expert advice? Like, I get it's the 90s and maybe we're bogged down by a bit less paperwork <laughs> and there's a few, like, a bit less oversight, but still, goddamn. <laughs> the paperwork alone should have taken longer to fill out and file can't email that shit you can't pdf sign it 98 oh my god yeah that's one where i was like wait a minute there's oh well let's keep going (laughs) it's funny too because like they're in charge of how long this this asteroid is taking to get to earth it's not like there's some rule that says it has to be 18 days they could have said like hey it's a two-month thing because like chick has time to go see his his wife and abandoned child like where are they I need fitting in all this time? I need way more information on their relationship because I have questions. This child is going to need to see a very good child therapist because it goes from, oh, that man's just a salesman to uh, what, 12 days later, he one recognizes him on the television in a huge moment of many people wearing uniforms. And then she immediately on the spot is like, that's no salesman. That's your daddy. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. She seems like a helmet chaser. (laughs) I mean, the minute he puts on the uniform, she's like, oh, oh, you know what? Maybe dad is coming home. Yeah. Like (laughs) 
That's my favorite thing about disaster movies or movies like this is that saving the world or saving a town or even like saving a small group of people erases all your past sins. You might've been a piece of shit dad for five years, but guess what? Your father of the year wants you to get rid of that. She showed up on that flight line and they were forehead to forehead face touching, like hands touching face. And this is the last time he saw her she introduced him to his own son as a salesman. Like that's incredible, incredible work by the asteroid. I'm going to, I'm going to save my next bit of commentary for a point later in the podcast. So let me write this down (laughs) for later on because it will become appropriate. Well, it's also, I also want to know how the, um, the lady friend of Rockhound um, got the invite to the homecoming. Um, just because like one, you'd have to find her or you'd have to believe that she was like the friend of Rockhound. Do you like, think was they had some they VIP passes? It's like a con, like I they had know. some VIP passes they could give out to, to people in case right? they get back. Like I just, yeah. cause you normally would have like, say we're watching for all mankind. You'd have like a spouse's club, you know, like, you know who the spouses are. Like those would be the people invited to the viewing room. Like, I just don't know how you factor in woman he met night before he left at club. It's also interesting, aside from AJ, these were all the most single dudes on the planet. Like the most, not not a single significant other among them besides Chick's wife. Given the line of work, it tracks. (laughs) Probably (laughs) not a lot of single women on the oil derrick. (laughs) Middle of the the oil rig in the middle of the dudes. Off off the coast of Galveston. Apparently, it's where, yeah. where they filmed it. Because, you know, Bay, Bay was, of course, he was going to film on an actual oil rig. Why wouldn't he? Um, I have I have just one more thing that didn't work. And, and this this tracks for multiple movies. Ben Affleck's a really bad crier. That's that's not he's got a lot of things in his bag. He's he's I don't think he's a good movie. Crier. I when thought he finds, in this one. When he finds Oscar's body, it's it's better with it's better at the end with okay, when, yeah. he, when he gets when uh when harry pulls his air hose when he finds oscar's body it it takes me back uh carolina don't know where you're at on pearl, pearl harbor um <laughs> you know i don't i don't know if we're spoiling pearl harbor now but at the end affleck is crying over a dear friend and it's not a good movie cry well, i was gonna be not. like i i think i know what happens in pearl harbor but yeah, maybe yeah, not. I was just gonna <laughs> not, say, like... sorry, not, not not spoiling, not spoiling the 1941 <laughs> attack on Pearl Harbor. If if you folks haven't <laughs> seen like that, you should, should open a history book. It's wild shit. Yeah, what happened, yeah. What you happened. will not believe. You will not believe about what happens with the Titanic. If, if you haven't you seen it, if you haven't seen that, the U.S. education system has failed you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. No. I I think I can see you saying there. That's fair. I think the last scene, which I do have. That was the other thing where you have to suspend disbelief because, like, if you have X, Y, Z minutes left before this, like, you know, hilarious barrier that they know exactly where it is, because I don't know how that would work, but they're like, oh, it's a minute to the barrier. Like, I'm like, that's a spot in space. Like, how are you actually calculating that? But, um, is he going to get video reception in the armadillo? I loved it. No. I cry every time. It's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, but there's the a scene lot going on with the radio reception to... in general. Yeah, it's in and out. Um, and then I, I've, I feel we've really failed to mention the incredible flashback scene, his death flashback, where it's like her growing up and him, and then like him, her, him, her, him, her, like 
the worst part of the movie. I'm pretty sure they struck Jesus on the cross in there for a, a split second. I can't confirm that, but it feels like what they were going for. That one was a hard. I, that, when that part happened, I was like, "Oh, that's right. That part really sucks." <laughs> But it's like the moment where you're like wiping all the tears out of your eyes. So it's like you forget that it happened. It's strategy by Michael Bay to bring bring you back into it. Like get rid of these tears. Remember, this is yeah. a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> um. Okay. Best scene in this one. This this is a movie in acts. I I feel like we could do this a couple different ways. We could run through kind of chronologically talk about everything we treasure. We could pick one from each of the acts. Um, which I, how would you guys view the acts of this movie? There's obviously like, would you say intro to go to space is the first act or was it maybe intro to getting the band together for the mission? Yeah. Set up training space. Set up training space. So set up gives us a few. I mean, we open with a, a disaster meteor shower and a control room scene. It's a it's a great opening to the movie. We haven't even talked about the cool dude with the the former Navy vet with the huge telescope that names the the asteroid after his bitch of a wife. Yeah, very, very problematic marriage in in this one. (laughs) Get my phone book! (laughs) As she comes in asking for a divorce. And he was when he's on the phone with him, he's like, That's that that's nice for you. Uh thanks. Um yeah, I think this, I, like I said, it, it goes zero to sixty right out the gate. Not just the the dinosaurs part, but when you first, well, the actual letters exploding, like from the where it says Armageddon, and like that whole thing exploding, really does set the scene that it's like a Michael Bay movie about to happen. Um, but I think it, I like how they set up the disaster, like the introduction of the NASA nerds and. Find me someone who hasn't had that much caffeine. Find me someone that can basically speak in English. You get Jason Isaacs coming in that's kind of the voice of reason and the smart guy. He's, I think, vastly underused because I, this is early Jason Isaacs and I love, you know, this is Lucius Malfoy and he was great in Black Hawk Down. Like he's been in just about it. He was in uh, uh, The Patriot. He's the right? worst he's the person guy of in the all Patriot. time in The Patriot. Mm-hmm. God, yes. he's, oh, he hated him with the fire Steve of a Ledger. thousand suns yes. in that movie. The worst. Um, and so I think that part, I think it's great. And they set that up and then it goes right into, I think the intro scene on, despite the shouldn't be shooting guns on an oil rig thing. I think that scene does a great job of establishing a lot of relationships, um, and what you can expect. Yeah. I would say the, when Bruce Willis picks up the shotgun, if you were to make me pick a scene from the first act, when he picks up that gun, shoots through the window and says, make your peace with God, AJ. I said, yes, <laughs> dad mode engaged, put both keys in the launch. We have a dad nuke unlocked. You know about this rock out? You knew. No, I, I had no idea. Who's here? Harry, all right, whoa, whoa, whoa. I understand. Okay? You're mad. Who, who wouldn't be mad? But he's gonna shoot you. No, no, he's not. Oh, shoot. Oh! What's wrong with you? Make your peace with God, AJ! This guy's got a gun, man! He's shooting at me! Harry, this is not funny! Oh, 
And that goes, it runs all the way. Like that scene doesn't really stop because then the clients come and then it's Liv Tyler's monologue that explains essentially everything about her and Harry's relationship, like sets that up really well. The, the story about, um, uh, Buscemi having to be the first one to, to buy her, uh, to buy her tampons when she got her period. Yes. <laughs> Buscemi in this one, he gets, he gets time to shine in every single scene. Like he gets one, crack yes. but that's, that's like one whole sequence. I feel yeah. like in every scene, he also asks if a woman is 18. There is some joke made about the legal age There's, of yes. consent in every scene, which is, deeply 90s and one of those parts that makes you go oh whoops we did a lot of that in this i understand that that's the character like he's horny like that's his what are his two character traits he's a genius and he's really horny he might if we're talking like mount rushmore's might be mount rushmore of horniest characters of all time Mm. like just impossibly horny like and yet he's not (laughs) even the one that makes the comment about watts the one woman who does yes. like anything in this movie of any sort of save the world capacity. Um, that's Owen Wilson who says it to Bear, who then Bear gets yelled at for agree. I mean, he did agree and like say stuff about Watts, but um, yeah, he is extraordinarily. I love that they made him the genius side of things. I thought that was such a fun, like different when he gets up there and um, William Fickner's like, how did you know that? He's like, cause I'm a genius. You want to know what else? why else we didn't do this or that um but yeah he's a that seems great i agree that this it's a good way to do the exposition with the back and forth and then it also sets up the foreshadowing of aj doesn't listen and he doesn't trust you know harry doesn't trust aj and things go wrong and then fast forward to the end where he like i need you to trust me yada 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 and he actually pushes through the gas pocket or some sort of sciencey thing that they make it sound like yeah. do some science <laughs> do some science <laughs> the the whole from the moment they wrangled them all together like up until launch it's it's not even really almost scenes i think the only thing that you would say is like a scene and not a montage or a sequence is that moment between harry and billy bob thornton where we get the little backstory on Thornton's character, which is something Thornton thought of himself, like the the character having he's got the metal plate, he couldn't couldn't be an yeah. astronaut. Like that's, I I don't know if that's the best scene in the movie, but it's a really nice touch. That, it's that's a something, great that's something I enjoy enjoy yeah. a lot. I like the um I like the 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 individual test that they did too when they were like yes. having to answer questions and like I I thought that was so perfectly done. Um, where it's the Rorschach test, whatever. Yeah, the Rorschach yeah. test. Where this, you, you, yeah. this is Harry telling me yeah, I'm not good enough. Him. This is Harry telling me I can't marry his daughter. Yeah. yeah, those are really good. I like those a lot. You need like a spray bottle for Buscemi during that test because he's like, everything yeah. is like something with women with big tits, women with small legs. Just like, dude, you, you yeah. got to relax. Well, you you got to relax. And then you had Owen Wilson. <laughs> Owen Wilson was just trying to test everything out. Every time you see him, he's actually like doing another, like he's got like the paddles for the, um, EKG or whatever and then like the next time he's in some like tube thing that he ha- he's that no one else is seen in in the rest of the movie or he's in the control room like saying things into the microphone or whatever I love that for him what is the best scene of the in space we have like like you guys were talking about like we have all the disasters happening we have the shuttle refueling which is like our first real like true anxiety bowl moment 
like someone someone might might not make it out of this. There's the the nuke showdown. Like there's that happening. Uh, there's drawing straws to decide if they're uh, you know who's who has to stay. Like there's there's Max getting jettisoned off. Like Mike, what is what is the peak? Is is it the end? Is it the last part? Or is there something that overtakes it? So I would say, and I don't know, I guess, because they're not technically in space. It's right on the verge. It's when you have the shuttle launch getting ready to happen. I'm a sucker for a presidential speech in movies. And I thought this one that sort of, you know, because I mean, for the most part, I would have expected a lot more worldwide, um, like working together in the face of this sort of problem, but it really just seems like it's NASA and the United States putting the team on their back or ignoring what everyone else wanted until they got the cosmonaut involved. But that was the moment that kind of like ties everyone together and you get all these shots of, you know, religious moments and people with families and stuff like that. And I just like, it was a good reminder before everything like, Oh yeah, here's, here's the thing in case you forgot in the middle of all the probing and weird flexing on the table, like this is what we're here for. So that one that one at the start's got potential for me but besides that um i feel like when bruce willis has um when bruce willis has what's his uh willie sharp with the wrench around his neck and they kind of go through that whole ordeal there where he's asking him to defy the rule and he's telling him I've never missed a depth. And that's kind of the come to Jesus in space. I would probably say that one for me, it's got a lot of the ridiculous shit around it, but in that moment, it's these two characters that really become the focal point of the space version of this story, like that relationship and Willie Sharp being the guy who has constantly doubted this group the entire way and calls them the worst mistake in the history of NASA for them to finally break through that barrier and become dudes that can rely on each other for this all the way to the end where, you know, you get him meeting his daughter on the runway type thing. I think I could probably say that one is sort of a space breakthrough moment. It's good. It's good. Caroline. You get, you get the funny moment of the other two coming in and being like, what did we miss? because it's just like (laughs) everything has gone to shit completely i will say um what cracks me up with the flash not the flashbacks when it cuts to like what looks like midwest american cities during this presidential speech it looks like dust bowl like what are we cutting to it's like we're cutting back several decades um it's just like a kid with like a mural like what happened like what are we (laughs) How did this happen? Like, what are is we? Is that asteroid gonna laugh? hit us, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all very like. It's like, what is going on here? Why there's there's more going on in the Midwest than just like brawls running into tornado shelters. But um, this is a blue collar really... action movie. We're we're <laughs> yeah. giving our credit to blue collar. No, it's not. It's not cops saving the day. It's not the FBI. It's not the army. It's just good old fashioned oil rig workers. We're giving giving middle middle Americans due. By the way, speaking of some of the leanings of this movie, I was watching in the beginning and I was kind of like, I feel like I know who Harry Stamper would have voted for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there was that part of the beginning where just there were a few like things along the way and I went, he's got a don't tread on me flag somewhere in his house. You listen, Harry, because Harry had money. You know, there, there were a lot of people who took uh, who took private jets to January 6th, Harry had a lot of (laughs) (laughs) Harry might have been one of those guys (laughs) flying the squad up. (laughs) I think 
I didn't mean to derail us with that. I just was watching it. I was like, I can't ignore the way I'm feeling right now. We got to acknowledge some truths about our heroes in this one. Consider like what season, again, not recommending summer, Bear, because it's too hot in D.C. in the summer to be living in the White House. But also just want to make sure that we're all thinking about president of his choosing that he gets to go hang out with in the White House over the summer um because i was like right there are certain times recently where i'd be like not a great i'm good thanks if, if he shows up at the white house in 1998 i would have to look at my look at my history just to double check but it seems like it'd be a tense time in the west wing if he if he's living in there he might it might have seen some shit so um but i think my favorite scene from the whole movie and the last act is the last one like the pulling of the air you know the even you can go the straws, drawing straws or whatever they drew wires or whatever it was um, to Harry making the ultimate sacrifice. Cause it's just, it's perfectly done. Like I love that. It's kind of the macho Americans just say that they volunteered to save the day. Chick won't let his best friend do it. AJ won't let her, his fiance's dad volunteer vice versa. Dad won't let the fiance volunteer. So I love that whole rather than not having anyone to, and they can't let Steve Buscemi do it. <laughs> I will say I think I could have done without the I mean uh he's got space dementia like I could have done without that <laughs> whole thing I love a good Doctor Strange love re- reference when you say Slim Pickens riding the the bomb down like a, as a daughter of a B52 pilot like I'm like yes I love a good Doctor Strange love reference but um just hilarious to get William Fickner to utter the words he's got space dementia is top notch um but hilarious that he's completely not available for the self-sacrifice because you, you cannot trust him to do the job no but yeah no <laughs> there's a there's a scenario where if even if he didn't have space dementia if it's like rockhound draws the straw and he goes out to the bomb and then he's like you know what fuck this i'm not i'm not doing this like someone else needs to come out here and, and, and pull this trigger <laughs> I think I think I'm kind of leaning with Mike, like the stuff having to do with when there's the tension with the nuke like that to me is the most tension filled moment because you've got you've got Fickner and Harry going up against each other simultaneous with uh, with Billy Bob and Keith David down there. Um, that kind of gets into my my favorite but the terminal. Movie. Yeah, the hero of the terminal that's like doing a little typing just to yeah. keep things offline for a hot That's second. like an elevated control room scene. Like not only are they worried about what's going on, but we've got some, we've got some conniving, we've got some teams going on in the control room, which is, which is really important. It also, it gets into what my best quote is, which is, uh, this is one order you shouldn't follow and you fucking know it. PG 13 movies get one fuck. And that's, that's our fuck. The orders are to remote detonate in 30 seconds. You have not told them yet. That is my fucking one order you shouldn't follow and you fucking know it it was the perfect spot for it it was so artfully delivered everything about that fuck hit like a freight train and i was so thrilled that that was where they decided to crack this thing open and use it because in the pg-13 you get one one fuck one person to say it billy bob is the person in this movie to to use that fuck like he's 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 the go-to caroline what is your best quote in this movie I think I might go super cheesy for cracker scene. Oh my God. What? <laughs> oh my God. Everything in this movie and you're pivoting to the animal cracker scene. Oh, I just, the, um, the whole, like, is it a 
cookie or the cracker, like the staple of crackers, and you compare them with cheese. Like, just I love, and I do think uh, this might be one of the more iconic movie romance See, like in movie, like I don't see movie history like it's better than. I'm not saying it's better than like Casablanca. It's not better, whatever. Like these, like, but when you hear that song, you think of the animal cracker scene. I do have questions as to like. She's got real cute like bra weird weird like bloomers on <laughs> but he does the whole like well it's also not a gazelle he's got a giraffe cookie but it's fine that's fine Ben Affleck you can't be giraffes and gazelles but he does like the you know like it's a little nature video <laughs> it's cute it's funny and I don't know it's just always like I don't know if it's my favorite quote but that's one of the scenes that we haven't talked about that the other one though is when <laughs> when Owen Wilson asks what it's going to be like on the asteroid listing all of these things in Owen Wilson in perfect Owen Wilson voice and just like so the scariest environment imaginable got it you could just say that scariest environment imaginable he's so good in limited screen time like it's it's so obvious what that guy is gonna be it's it's interesting watching this movie in retrospect we have so much shared history with Owen we have 20 plus years of Owen Wilson now like when he pops in like we know oh, that's that's Owen Wilson. Of course, everything he says is going to be funny. But even then, it's he's coming off. I think like Anaconda and Bottle Rocket, and he he's just he's so good in this movie. First three movies, he dies in two of them. His first three full length movies, he dies in two of them. And I I would take this death in Armageddon way more than his one in Anaconda. That that death in Anaconda <laughs> is something that has like kept a primal fear in me for my entire life. I am so deathly afraid of going out like Owen Wilson did in Anaconda. Like that is my hell. I, I think I would rather die in space. I get, I would probably take death in space over a fair amount of deaths on earth just because I feel like it would be relatively instant as opposed to the thought of like burning alive or drowning or some of those other things that come up on earth way too often space death. It's like, Oh, you're sucked out into the void and just instantly freeze to death more or less. Yeah. Like all the air leaves your body. I forget how exactly that works. Yeah. Like most of the deaths in this movie while scary are very quick versus uh, Owen Wilson and Anaconda is uh, I mean, just, just like I can see it. It just, it's horrible. Um, Mike, what is the best quote in this movie? Self-conscious about my quote, and now I'm worried about it. <laughs> well, so I want to I want to break this up because I think that there are a couple of really funny one-liners in here that deserve recognition. Um, Caroline already said one of them with scariest environment imaginable. Um, when the first round of military personnel come to the oil rig to take them and. Uh, and Bruce Willis asks him, did Crazy Willie put you up to this? And he goes, I'm afraid I don't know Crazy Willie. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny, and I've missed it so many times, and I'm so (laughs) glad I picked up on it this time around. So, yeah, uh, I'm afraid I don't know Crazy Willie was incredible. Um, when, when When you've got Owen Wilson doing his training and he, they were talking about things that like nerve you out he goes people that think jethro toll is just a band <laughs> <laughs> um but i would say if i had to pick 
one to put up top and it is the it is the one line that i probably most often try and shoehorn into real life is at the very end willie sharp walking up to live tyler on the tarmac saying requesting permission to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man i've ever met it's just so perfectly this movie and it actually encapsulates a lot more than anything it's just really fun to say in public in random situations Colonel Willie Sharp, United States Air Force, man. Requesting permission to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. And I love that it is the second time that someone is breaking out their reunion kiss. Yes. Like, that, that's what I love. Everyone like keeps... I think I, I've told this story on the show before, but I had... Uh, we were all at the bar in college and uh, this bar that we would frequent and a couple decided to have their wedding reception at the same establishment and they're having their first dance and a, a guy a guy on our team was just blacked out and picked that exact moment to walk out tap the guy on the shoulder and and like wanting to dap him up in congratulations in the middle of the first dance it is it is literally one of the best things that I've ever seen in my life and this reminds me a lot of that of them they're like in this embrace on the runway and like multiple times like people come up to people come up to say something to when they're just trying to embrace and, and be together. It's a lot sweeter a moment, but that is, that is what that moment reminds me of. But uh, that, that line is so quintessentially this movie. Miners is when they're pulling up to the, um, talks about changing up the spinning of the whatever. Um, and uh, Steve Buscemi just, compl- I honestly wonder if he ad-libbed this because of Bruce Willis's reaction seemed like a very genuine laugh. Um, and it, Harry Stamper doesn't laugh at them a ton during this movie. Like he kind of just puts up with their bullshit. So I was like, that seemed like he actually legitimately laughed, but he goes, oh good. I haven't thrown up in about an hour. Like, <laughs> oh, it's about time. Like whatever. I also like that one, but this is, yeah, there's- I, <laughs> that, that was great. Cause you do watch Harry just float past him laughing. <laughs> great, I love it. I need to shine some light on uh, screw it. We're jumping over this canyon. Which which always gets me. Just it, another like ridiculous like just you could plop it down in any action movie. Just one of those ridiculous statements. Uh, Kyle Porter, the golf writer, has this thing for golf that he's like uh, this running bit on Twitter, like normal sport. Whenever something incredibly weird happens in golf, and you could translate that into sports movies of or into action movies of just like screw it, we're jumping over to this over this canyon, like normal movie. Just we're 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 jumping over a canyon with with an armadillo. Um, most athletic moment in this movie. There's not a ton to choose from. Uh, I'm going to lean to Affleck escaping the room in the oil rig. He jumps like out of the door onto a pole, makes it a really impressive uh, calisthenics routine there. There's a zip line on there yeah. too. This is, yeah. yeah. It's tough to pick against it. Um, there's, there's not really a whole yeah. lot. I assume, um, I assume like drilling takes a lot of physical exertion, just like, kind of brute strength. Like they're down there in the trenches, but in, in terms of just like athleticism on display, I think the escape of the room, the pole, the zip line, really, really good stuff. I would say the whole fire on the oil rig thing too. That yep. scene, there's a bunch of guys like rappelling down from the side of it. There was a lot more. I have no, I, I've never been in an oil rig in my life. So again, this Kyle, this might be more appropriate for your group chat, but <laughs> is there that much zip lining on an oil rig? I was simply unaware. <laughs> What's the zip line situation out there? Need, need to be able to get from place to place very quickly. I was going to say escaping from the space station showed mm. some 
physical uh, skills. They had to like, you know, maneuver around that bad boy a little bit in and out of some hatches, uh, a little quick, you know, 20 yard sprint. I do. I really love those types of scenes too. I'm telling you, I love space movies. They stress me out beyond belief. The start of every space movie, I'm like, space would be cool. It would be cool to be an astronaut. It'd be cool to go to space. And then like 45 minutes into it, I was like, not, no. No, terrible idea. Ooh, that's always interesting. Are you got were you guys ever enamored with the idea of going to space? My brother maintains if you gave him a ticket and allowed him to get on a shuttle, he would leave his family tomorrow and go and get on a space shuttle. And I don't know how you guys feel about that. I'm I'm out. Uh it seems cool. The the scene in Apollo 13 where he's imagining what it would be like as he was running on the moon, like he's like, he's like kind of reminiscing on the, the moment that was lost, like walking on the moon, feeling the moon dust or whatever, and looking down at earth. I can acknowledge that if I could instantly teleport and not have to undergo any of the risk at all and stand on the moon, I would love to do that. Getting on the spaceship. I mean, let's start at the easiest. I have a weak stomach. Like I couldn't do it. Like I, I'm Buscemi in that I'm Buscemi in that circumstance. Like we're getting, I don't know how it works. Like I, I feel like we're getting to the space shuttle, and my helmet, the inside is just like cake. Like you can't see me. <laughs> I, need, I need like oh, wipers. Like, brother, I puked before every football game I ever started. Rest assured, that helmet would have been soiled. Yeah, oh my there's just, gosh, there's no, just nothing. I, I would do I, it all depends on what my what mission are we talking here like that's what i need to know like am i what did you ever see that movie life with ryan reynolds and take jill was he in that? the what basically anything that has aliens in it i don't need that i don't need to be mm. like a forward a forward exploratory collecting samples and testing things because i don't want to get overtaken with some strange virus i just i'm good on that is there but... a space movie that makes going to space appealing <laughs> <laughs> like question. i'm thinking so like apollo 13 seems like a bad time like Not doing best time. time worst time in that one would be difficult <laughs> uh gravity a, a nightmare interstellar uh, a nightmare interstellar mm-hmm. no no aliens no i mean that's the worst time or um, alien either one <laughs> alien versus predator terrible time none of them um caroline you're the only person i know who watched moonfall seems like a bad time god that movie was terrible (laughs) highly recommend highly recommend uh the moon is a superstructure so spoiler alert the the Uh, movie moon while excellent not not a good time the the martian truly hellish oh yeah what about For All Mankind? I missed I that one. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen the show on no, Apple? I you guys. It's really good. You should watch For All Mankind. It's you know, The premise is that the U.S. lost the space race and therefore dedicated more resources because they wanted to stay in up or in front of Russia or USSR in the space race. So it's like, how would the world look different if the space race continued and like more um, funding was put towards NASA and the space program? It's really good. Um, You're saying the U S spent a lot of money on, on foreign affairs because they didn't want it to seem as though they'd lost. Is that, is that, is that a thing they did? I can't believe it. (laughs) It's a bit of a stretch. How about that? (laughs) You've got to really expend 
Um, I think you're right, though. I don't think there's a single thing that makes space travel seem appealing. What is the other one? Passengers, where you're alone in space? Mm-mm. And you're alone with Chris Pratt in space. <laughs> or alone with Jennifer Lawrence. You could swap out. That would be way more fun. I think she's Yeah, that's like, cool. yeah. He's that's pretty like, cool. That's actually. Um, Wally, even? No. Well, I guess that's oh, like more no. bad. Well, you go, they go out into space and then come back. Yeah, it's tough, but I think that it would be. Um, all right, Star Trek. That seems pretty fun. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. I, I would say okay. If if we had the technology of Star Trek, I'm in on space because yes, it's like it seems yeah. like it's it's like hopping on a flight to Atlanta. Right. Yeah. That's yes. where. I, yeah. 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 That's that you. at that point when we get there. When yeah. we get there. Okay. Uh, arguably the most difficult category in this movie. Yes, I know. The Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. Who's in the movie too much? Willis and Affleck. Billy Bob probably. Yeah, Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Liv Tyler. She's not in the movie that much. Really? She's She's not, but I think she's too important in the ways that we talked about to be considered for this. Okay, Okay. I'll I'll give you that. Um, Is there any, would we consider every other member of the crew, every other member of the space, the space mission a supporting character? Yes. 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 So that gives us them. That gives us folks on the ground, which includes uh, Jason Isaacs, Dr. Mm-hmm. Quincy. That includes Keith David. Mm-hmm. Uh, that includes Eddie Griffin as the homeless guy in the first scene of the movie. Shout out Eddie Griffin. Shout out Undercover Brother, movie I've seen probably more than anyone. And uh, Reggie, Reggie who makes it he's in a harness. Shout out Reggie. Yes. Shout out harnesses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. So just running this down, uh, Keith David is General Kimsey. Eddie Griffin, Jason Isaacs, Buscemi is Rockhound. He's um, he's yeah, he's he's incredible. When we didn't mention when the government guys show up for them, he's instantly worried about getting picked up for for statutory. So yes. that's that's a problem. Uh, yeah. Will Patton is chick like the most random. He is the most down to earth character. I would say Will Patton might be the guy who might be in a different movie. Like he's he's playing this one. He's playing this <laughs> he's one. Not a little sure different. what's going on. Uh, Owen Wilson is Oscar choice. Getting fifty six tickets in seven states seems at, at some point they stop becoming tickets and they start becoming arrests. So that's that's questions I had. Uh, Fickner in this one. Fickner is like a professional Lenny Harris. Like he is literally a pinch hitter in every movie. Yes. Uh, we have not talked about Peter Stormare's Lev, the Russian astronaut, who is incredible. He was also good. Incredible in this. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Excellent. This, this is the deepest, deepest roster. Just in power. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. King. King shit. Mike, where do we go with this? Oh, man. <laughs> I would love to, to give it to Bear just because I love <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan in almost every setting. And I think, again, he fills a very important role of being a jacked guy in a movie about guys that work on an oil rig. I don't know if they used that many large wrenches on an oil rig, but I am thankful I got to see Michael Clark Duncan shirtless and overalls toting one of those bad boys to remind you he trains and he trains hard. But the tiniest strap tank top. (laughs) Yes, because again, you should, if you have a body like that, clothes should be not optional they should be banned and you should be shirtless in that leopard print uh speedo all the time but i'd probably i'd probably go steve buscemi 
I just think he was so many of the best parts of the movie and he was like bits of comic relief pretty consistently like we said because he also gets the benefit of being a genius he has some important parts that he explains later on as the movie goes along so I just he was he, he has gravity every time he's on scene and on screen in this movie even in a world full of one and a half second jump cuts did we give it to Buscemi and Conair? probably I think so he, yeah, I mean, he he's, he's fucking dynamite. Like, he's so good in this. And you mean yeah, him it, it, playing the same character that he was in? <laughs> we we explored that possibility. If it is the same guy, I mean, he's <laughs> he's just trading one sick obsession for another. So the space dementia finally took him down. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, I've seen a lot of guys down bad in in that category but taking out a hundred thousand dollars from a loan shark because you're down to to go spend in a shark club that is that is down bad that is incredible deep in it it's it's hard to give it to someone besides buscemi um peter stormare's lev though is unreal unreal good in this one like he has develops a good little buddy buddy relationship with affleck i we haven't dove into like the mechanics of the, the fueling. We did a little bit like, why is everyone getting out of the shuttle and stuff like that? Why did he leave the job of like fueling? Like, why did he leave AJ down in the, with the gauges and the, the lever and give him like 15 seconds of instructions? Cause it just looks like he's roving around and just talking yeah. to people otherwise yeah. to set up the disaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we'd have a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's excellent. Buscemi's excellent. And I just think Fickner is fantastic in everything. Another, so good. another Blackhawk down. Him and Isaacs were both in that. Think um, about Fickner's, all of his supporting roles, like, like this Blackhawk down, uh, the first scene of the dark Knight as the, yeah. the, the bank Ooh. manager guy, the, the crooked bank manager, um, perfect storm, like, uh, the longest yard Fickner just playing QB for the guards. Um, yeah. Fickner's, oh, yeah. Fickner's fucking nails. He's excellent. Another potentially difficult category. <laughs> the Oh My God Peter Gallagher Award for the hottest <laughs> person in this film. This is difficult. <laughs> what, what are our nominees here, Caroline? Uh, clearly Ben Affleck. Um, Affleck and Liv Tyler, if you paired them up, are, are the, yeah. the unquestionable wins yeah. there. I was um, just going to say, it's between those two, right? Bruce Willis is a babe. Huh. All right. Throwing it out there. And Fickner is, is a babe. <laughs> As the one of us in this chat that bears the most resemblance to what, you know, my future self looks an awful lot like I hope Bruce Willis based on current trends for my physical form. So from your lips to God's ears, let's hope this remains popular opinion. Is this the last look we get at him with hair? Do we like call it- this hair? Yeah. I was like, does he have hair in this movie? <laughs> This is like, he has the hair that I had when I, I was told by Mamani Jones that it's time to come on home. <laughs> is this before or after Fifth Element? This is after Fifth Element. But then Bomani makes it, Bomani made a comeback. So there's, there's always. Oh, I've told him the betrayal I felt <laughs> when he popped up post the initial part of the pandemic with luscious locks. I was furious. <laughs> Just I, how could you? Yeah. How could you? Um, yeah, I think it's a runaway Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler situation here. But I will say again, I'm gonna shout out um, high school Caroline Gruber. Every scene that he's in steals it. Damn, dude is handsome, handsome. 
um he was done dirty by the rock storm devastating devastating news i don't think it it was not necessary um yeah it's a you know uh, billy bob doesn't really do it for me but that's okay like not in like a you know he's ugly way just not you know and i think jason isaacs is uh this is pre when he gets like super babe because he gets pretty not lucius malfoy that again that doesn't do it for me um yeah this is a there's some good looking people in this movie i will say while i appreciate i don't appreciate that she was one of the few female characters who got sexualized on screen but she was given her moment to push back on them watts was a babe she's gorgeous stunning just piercing eyes yeah Yeah. um really outside of chick's woman situation and then uh hounds rock hounds woman situation those are literally like the only two women in this movie does uh does yeah. not pass the bechdel test not no. even not even close <laughs> not no. even remotely close but if michael bay has a movie that passes the bechdel test i'll be very very that surprised. would be remarkable did yeah not even like it doesn't even pass the test when it comes to two women talking to each other i don't no. think no. i don't think Liv tyler and watts ever talked to or even in the same room no it's a tough tough girl well they had the cool uh, the lady who did the the doctor lady too she was funny she's like i'm just yeah. here to do the drilling she's like me too yeah <laughs> she was incredible that laugh makes if, me I, if, if i have to cash an official vote i'll put it for ben affleck yeah i think i think it's he's affleck too, and I, I, I think it also helps i think it helps that this is the hottest affleck yes i think i think this is where where it peaks yes 100 yeah. percent. best time worst time I was thinking about this. Does anyone have a good time in this movie? Over the course of the movie, does anyone, like, can Billy you say Bob. someone had a, does he? Billy Bob has the I weight of the does. world on his shoulders. I know, but I think he thrives in this situation. Like, you don't go to, Na- you don't go work for NASA because you just want to, like, push some papers. Like, sure. He's not calling home to a family or anything uh, like that. Like, he's got is- one thing, like, he's, he has trained for this. Like, Caroline does make a compelling point. You seek that line of work. And I've had friends that were, you know, trauma nurses in the ER who, to some extent, you thrive in that environment. That yeah. sort of adrenaline rush is something appealing. He's, yeah. he, because look, his worst day is going to be the same worst day as everyone else's, right? They fail and they all get exploded. He gets to make every effort to be the, like brains behind saving the entire planet and then his plan comes to fruition and works like that he has the best day can you imagine getting to tell someone this is one order you shouldn't follow and you fucking know it like he's right like every turn he's like i think he has the best best time He's he's the head coach in this situation, right? He doesn't have to go out there and actually put his body on the line, but he gets to be involved in the game. But he would if he could. He okay. would if he no, could. He would. But his playing yeah. days are just past you, him. You don't want to be up there any more than I do. <laughs> uh, worst worst time, time, I'm probably going Liv Tyler. Bad time. Mm-hmm. That yeah, like okay. y- your best case scenario is. Well, I guess they both come back, but the chances of getting both your father and your fiance back are very slim. The chance of getting either one of them back are very high. Like, and you had to go through the ups and downs of them, like thinking all of them were dead multiple times. <laughs> Horrible time. Horrible. Are we and doing? She knew, um... 
she knew so early too. So the burden of the stress of this situation is on her from hour 16. I don't know whenever, how long to get to NASA. Are we doing the thing we did with speed where we eliminate anyone who died from worse time? Like yeah. I kind of tossing that in as a given. Yeah. yeah. Probably... Because okay, because I, I just wanted to give some credence to uh, our first death in the movie, our guy Pete, who dies in the opening meteor shower, who apparently was already having a bad time. They were already concerned about his heart rate, so Pete yes. wasn't having he a good was... time. Then no. he died in meteor shower. Seemed yeah. to feel the impending the impending rush of death hitting him. So yeah. that that seemed like not a bad time. He think, did not have a good day. Yeah, you know who actually might have had a good time. Rockhound actually seemed to really actually, <laughs> he actually seemed to really enjoy enjoy the the chaos until he survived and now he's got to pay a hundred thousand dollars back to the loan shark. I'll say too, I think Oscar had a good time. Like I think Owen Wilson seemed to have a good time. He was the one in the chair when they were strapping in, saying, "I'm like ninety eight percent excited and two percent terrified." And Caroline, you mentioned he's the one fucking around with all the tools <laughs> along the way. The he seemed like he enjoyed that more than most. That's true. Yeah. I'm going to skip roster moves unless you guys have someone you'd really love to sub into this movie. It's like, it's so deep. Like, I don't know how you bring in another player off the bench. No, no. I think if a celebrity appearance was going to be in here athlete wise, it should have been Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, that'd be amazing. I, mean, I don't know and, why. Him and Clark Duncan next to each other. That should have been one of the government requests. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <To meet Jack. laughs> yeah. If you, if you have, He's on the oil rig. Maybe he doesn't get included, but he says something about like how man we're we're pulling up great diesel out of this ocean. Like I'd yep. be just a little little hat tip there. Would love that. Um, okay, the big chill. Big chill moment. Not oh. a lot of these some of these action movies don't I have know. one. This one, yeah, Caroline, I defer. Oh, God. The first real time that I will like laugh cry, which is when I do like the like get really emotional, but I'm like really happy the situation. Uh, when that armadillo pops up on that ridge, man, and you get a little bit, I, oh, I love a static in the air. I love it. You know, it's just like the portal scene in Endgame where you get the on your left, you know, you hear that part first. And so like you get the chills of like, you think everything's gone to shit. Max is just flown away in the armadillo. They're only at like 250 feet or whatever thing that they're at. But when they broke all the stuff, I'm not, I'm not, I don't work on oil rig shockingly. Um, but you think everything's gone to shit and you don't necessarily know what's going on with AJ and Lev and Bear at this moment. And so like, it's the perfectly timed, like shows up on the ridge and it ties right into the, um, the other guy who's in like everything, who was in the control room. I have no idea. I had to look up his name, but he looks at Liv Tyler and goes, your boyfriend's back, oh, honey. <laughs> he, he's in the control room in Apollo. That is Chris yes! Ellis, who is a professional, that guy. He's in the control room in Apollo 13. He's in October Sky. He is in That Thing You Do, which is a perfect movie. Yes, such a good um, movie. Yeah, I, I also like... I wish I was one of those people who was good at doing like not deep fake videos, but like editing video because I would love a, a mashup of the on your left end game portals. And then out comes the armadillo <laughs> through one of the portals. Yes. Oh my God. That was incredible. But yeah. I just, Some, that's someone big... internet savvy enough. Who's listening to this podcast, make that edit for Kyle. Please. Though, thank you. I, I need that so badly. I need yeah, that. That's my, that's my big chill. Mike, is there another big chill in this one? Um, I would, for me, I think the, because obviously the end scene, I think, is 
you could be very easily anyone's answer. I do think the first time um, Harry and Grace go out again by the shuttle ruins or whatever that building was and kind of have that first father-daughter come to Jesus moment there and they're grappling with the fact that he's, you know, going to go and like we said, probably not come back. I, I, that was the first time I cried in the movie. The second time was the Harry, I love you at the, in the, in the, uh, airlock at the end. That's it for me. The, um, when people are separated by a screen and one of them is Ah. one separated by glass or separated by a screen, that's something that always gets me. I'm telling you when, when my Matthew McConaughey watches the video, um, after they come back up from the, the wave planet, Every yeah, if no, I think about no that scene too long, I get a little choked up. That's like where I'm at in my life, though. If I like think about s- scenes that make me sad for too long, like I'll start getting sad. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm. I'm. This, there. There are certain movie scenes where I'm like, I. I guess. I guess now is the the time of the month for me. I think about the last scene of AI artificial intelligence once a month, and it makes me just deeply sad. And- I think about Andrew Garfield savings and and. Oh. And no one oh, oh. that crazy. look in their eyes for that brief second I know. I am undone we need to just we really need to do like a cry pod and let's just do like the top 20 like oh emotional scenes that that would be that would be a barn burner i went to see that can i tell you Liz, i mean i always give you these little side stories i went to see it in theaters when it came out again the no way home with the extended stuff and I went, I took an afternoon off because I was, when college football starts back up, like I try and cut out a little early one day a week or something just to make up for the time that we're on on Saturday. So I go to a 3.30 show and I pull into the parking lot and I did not know that the woman was still sitting in this car. And this is, is relevant, I promise. And so she had started to like open the door as I was like pulling in the spot next. And so she got like all sassy with me and like glared at me as I was like finishing parking. I was like, well, this is awkward. And so she gets out and is walking. And I was like, well, maybe she's going to this restaurant, not to the theater. Nope. Goes in the theater. Great. So I'm like slowly walk. Cause I didn't want to pass her after that. Cause I didn't want to like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's all like weird social cues. Like when something weird happens, not only is she going to the movies, she's also going to see no way home. And how many other people do you think were in the theater? Oh no. Zero. Not another person were in, was in there. So it's Alamo. I'd purchased my ticket. I was the first one to buy a ticket for the showing. I go to sit down. She had bought the seat right next to mine. Again, only two people in the entire theater. And I was like, this is so weird. And so I tried to sit one seat over because again, and I got there like right at the start, which is unlike me because I like to get there early and get all set up and watch all the previews or whatever. Um, and so I asked the lady who came to do the orders because they come to your seat at Alamo. I was like, is it okay if I just sit here since there's no one else here? And she's like, oh, you have to go back to the front and like change your seat if you want to move this. And I was like, Ugh! what? <laughs> yes. So I went back to the front desk and I explained to the nice man there. I was like, there's only one other person in there and her she's apparently purchased a seat right next. I left out the part about like her glaring at me in the parking lot for the weird interaction. <laughs> And so I ended up buying it. I went a row back. I was like, I'm not going to sit in the same row as you now. Like, this is so weird. Um, and I did not hear her like sniffle or cry once. So anyway, wow. bad Total person. If you, don't, yeah, if you don't, if you yeah. don't cry at movies like that, I mean, so I didn't have the luxury of seeing this, uh, in theaters, uh, seven when it came I did. out. 
I did. Caroline, I was what 13. was? Do you remember what the what the mood was like? Because like it's 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 a sad death. I remember. Um, I mean, I was 13 years old, which is like peak. Like, look how cute he is for uh, AJ. Um, yeah, it was. Sad. I'm trying to think where. Um, so I saw it on base. So it's a little. It's always a little bit different when you like go on base vibes, like, um, because it's usually like two months after it came out in the states too. <laughs> This was back in the day. Like, it's much better now, but like back in like, you know, you'd have to wait like a month or so before you get it in the base theaters and in, in Europe. Um, but yeah, it was one of those. I remember going seeing it with um, like my best friend from school <laughs> and like just swooning over Ben Affleck. My dad always called him Ben Hoofleck, um, <laughs> like typical dad fashion, like changing names to things that the teenage daughters like, you know. Papa Darns is a real one. (laughs) Respect. Oh, man. Uh, Okay. Before More Restore, prequel, sequel, or remake. I want to get out in front of this and say there's a sequel I need. I need it to be made immediately. I need more than just the Super 8 footage of that wedding. (laughs) That wedding at the end. I've got, listen, you can have, I'm kind of with the belief that you can have one wild card per wedding. You have one guest who is like this guy, you know, we're, we're rolling the dice, inviting this guy. You can have one of those per wedding. And if you, you have, invite Buscemi, like you, you really can only have one of those per wedding. You also invite Lev in full <laughs> Russian garb. That way, like, I need to know how that wedding went. Because it seems <laughs> like they made it romantic. The reception of that wedding was a problem. <laughs> I thought that the... Like, while a nice touch, the giant blown up pictures of their deceased friends. It's a little tough. <laughs> to, to the point about the wild card factors in that wedding, I saw those giant blown up pictures and then I imagined what you just talked about and I was like, someone's going to turn one of those into a glory hole. Like, <laughs> someone's someone's going to like do some sort of wildly inappropriate act with those cutouts and i'm not prepared for that it reminded me of during covid with the empty baseball stadiums and empty football stadiums where they put yes. the cutouts of people and they yes. just, just had them there i mean someone like buscemi's for sure gonna be out there oh. with the one of max like slow dancing with it on the <laughs> dance floor or trying to feed it over at the buffet it's gonna be so disrespectful to their lost friends but at the same time, something that I feel like most of those guys would have appreciated were they looking down on that moment. They would have loved it. Would have, would have absolutely loved it. I'm leaning towards a remake. Are we ready mm. for a remake? We're, what Ooh. are we, 24 years out? We're coming up on the 25th year anniversary next year? I mean, well, can we, I guess we. this would be about where we bring up the latest, like the recent news. <laughs> where nasa like shot something into an asteroid (laughs) where all of a sudden now nuking the asteroid doesn't (laughs) seem like it's as far off from the current strategy because they essentially ran a refrigerator sized satellite into this thing general kimsey has given us the the point of the head meme yeah so that's that's kind of where i'm leaning where like maybe it's some sort of updated like they reference you could still probably bring Billy Bob Thornton in as like a 
consultant. Um, so I guess it might be more of a sequel than like a full on remake, but I'd like the idea of like, um, not having to use the entire same cast, like not having to make it about like AJ goes back up or something, but maybe it's more of a cameo from those guys. as like a group of young bucks tries to solve a new, um, but then you could just like keep it. It doesn't have to be part of the Armageddon universe. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, Caroline, the way you're describing it, it kind of sounds like the Top Gun Maverick of Armageddon, where maybe you get some oh. kids involved in the situation. That to, that to me is the best world because I would go sequel just because. And Kyle, you brought it up with the wedding. I think Chick going and having his estranged wife and child out there, it all feels good and hopped up in the moment. I'm picturing like Avengers Endgame where you go a couple of months after and you're like, oh yeah, they remembered why it didn't work in the first place and now they're estranged once more. Or yeah. Rockhound had to go back and rec you know reckon with all these debtors and now somehow he has ascended to the top of whatever mob was coming after him for money. <laughs> I just I, I want to see how this plays out. John Cusack realized he was the one that got away on the Vegas Strip and <laughs> he sees him on the TV footage. <laughs> Wait a well, minute. And, so uh, Grace has inherited Harry Stamper oil uh aj mm. obviously heading that now they are living big and rich in a mansion in midland texas just <laughs> like west texas oil oil money and they they come back to aj so we put affleck in in midland texas and we put like someone has to new person at nasa or billy bob has to listen and like with this movie if they were to remake this i would be willing like the I would be willing to overlook a lot with them trying with the plot. If they just said bigger asteroid, like <laughs> it's bigger. We need, we need four teams. Got to drill four <laughs> holes, four miracles here. Five hour runtime. It's the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but one movie. <laughs> I would, I mean, again, I would go see this. This is, I saw Moonfall in theaters folks. I will. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't realize you saw that in theaters. Did you know that I, one of my tweets was used in the promotional material? Oh, my God. It was on television. <laughs> Ma'am, uh, you have a legacy. <laughs> what is, why am I blanking on his name? The, uh, the like, filmmaker for that one. Roman, um, Rom, uh, You're blanking on him because it was Moonfall. <laughs> but he's done all the other, um, like, disaster movies. Um, he did 2012. Oh, uh, Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. Yes. <laughs> like, cause I remember I was on a run and I got like a buzz on my watch and I looked and I was like, Roland Emmerich liked my tweet. <laughs> <laughs> the, the top, the top critical review on Rotten Tomatoes for Moonfall is it's like someone went, Alexa, write a really, really bad science fiction script. <laughs> that's, that's the whole review. I don't know how they got. 98% of the people involved in that movie to sign on to that movie. Um, yeah. They wanted uh, bigger houses. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Halle Berry. Like Halle Berry is in this movie. Oh, Sam from Game of Thrones. That's yeah. lovely. Samuel Tarly's in this. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pena is in it. AKA, I love Michael like, Pena. Like the best side character in all of the MCU with Louise. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous oh it my god the, they put donald they did this to donald sutherland, donald sutherland. oh god <laughs> oh no <laughs> that's uh it is 
out of control and it follows all the Roland Emmerich like uh there's always a divorced couple where the dad is kind of like not so I mean that's John Cusack in 2012 and then he's like trying to like reunite um and the uh the new stepfather is always like a guy that's like won over by the end by the like original dad (laughs) but the stepfather almost always dies in some heroic fashion like saving the children or something it's uh yeah anyway well moonfall. go see join, it, join us next week for moonfall i guess um <laughs> it's out of, but yeah they dm me and they're like hey can we use because i said like one million percent going to see this <laughs> and they're like can we use this and uh, i love the thought of that flashing up on the commercial where it's the quote before that is one million percent going to see this <laughs> like at cw darny i was like the leo meme like oh <laughs> my tweet <laughs> it was oh hilarious god there were like one other person in the theater with me <laughs> i i can't think of a better a better way to wrap this one we're talking about moonfall <laughs> Guys, this was great. As always, love getting the band back together. Always appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, Mike, where can the folks follow you? Check out Gojo. Uh, yeah, you can check out me at Michael Jr. on Twitter. At Gojo Show is the official show account. And again, wherever you get your podcasts on the DraftKings YouTube channel, Gojo with Michael Jr. has its own little playlist. So you can come see when I wear my thick, thick six shirt to match Caroline on that show, as well as this fine program. I love that I can find you. You can also find Mike in your DraftKings app where I found him lately. Offering Got the profit boost, boy. Offering various specials to you in the DraftKings app. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CW Darney. Um, or you can come check out all the fun content at For the Win and Bet for the Win. Um, type that into the old Google search bar and come, come hang out with us. Um, the most remarkable thing is that neither of us sang tonight, Mike. I thought that was a for sure happening we still have time sing us out of here (laughs) i definitely danced to to, to that song at a a moment i treasure excellent content and if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe to every your podcast, rate and leave a review for an Apple podcast or Spotify. If you want to support the show and vote on movies for the show to cover, like Armageddon, you can join the Patreon, bigscreensports.com, or patreon.com slash bigscreensports. If you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. That is presented by Baseball America. It comes at you every other Tuesday. New episode tomorrow, so tune in for that. That's for Big Screen Sports. We'll catch you back next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.